Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group. And as we talk right now, I am on post-production of Emmanuel and Sin City, just doing the sound right now. been getting a lot of great uh, tracks from a few different cool individuals from around the globe. That's been hitting me with some great music. So, yeah, just been laying the tracks down and digging how everything's looking. So, yeah, that's a good end on my part. Uh, as I record this, uh, we're looking at August, and this should be out in September. So, uh, yeah, good time of year. Hopefully everybody's doing good and uh, everything's going right for you in your corner of the world of Francoville. On this end, we are on episode 102, Film 102, and the UK title of this is Pickup Girls. Uh, I have it on Blu-ray, uh, actually no, I have it on DVD, uh, DVD-R, under the title um, The Girl with the See-Through Panties, so... Let's go ahead and uh, knock out all the information on this. Of course, we always get the information from Flowers of Flowers of Perversion by Mr. Stephen Thrower. So, here we go. All right, title. Uh, this is a 1981 production, by the way. So, Pick Up Girls, UK theatrical title, Spain, 1981. Original theatrical title in country of origin, La Chica de las Bragas Transparentes, The Girl with the See-Through Panties, a Spanish title. Alternative titles, the Argentina theatrical title is Extasias. The shooting title in, uh, I don't know what MF is, interesting, that would be, uh, hmm, I don't know, but that's uh, El Caso de la Bragas Transparentes. Um, and then we have uh, the Hungarian video title, Girls in Transparent Panties, Lyonk Alatazio Bujiban. Sorry, I mangled that language. Uh, the Marikian review, probably transcription era, La Chica de la Bragas del Oro. Uh, yeah, it's a transcription era there. Uh, production company, Luz, L-U-Z, International Films, essay out of Madrid. The theatrical distributor is Hispamix Films, S.A. Spain, and Amanda Films Limited out of the U.K. Okay, so the timeline shooting on this, he shot this... Wow, that's quick. He shot this shooting date, it says circa March 1981. And then he got the legal number for March 23rd of 81 and released in July of 81. That's like three, four months later. It was already out. That's like so quick. Uh, Seville. Um, so yeah, shooting date March, circa March '81. Deposited legal number March 23rd, '81. Played Madrid, July 27th, '81. Uh, played Seville, November 25th, 1981. Then Barcelona, August 16th, 1982. And Fani Murcia, M-U-R-C-I-A, Murcia, uh, September 13th, 1982. Theatrical running time, Spain, 94 minutes. UK, 91 minutes, 34 seconds. Cut from 95 minutes, 19 seconds. 
video running time converted SP Video 7 company out of VHS out of uh, it's a PAL format and that's the 9519 running time uh, Spanish ad line for this is all your senses exploded an orgy of passion the UK poster touts fast and furious erotic action in the twilight world of vice I like that fast and furious right off the bat uh, okay, so director, of course, we all knew who that would be, Mr. Jess Franco, writer, once again, Jess Franco, director of photography, no, Juan Solar Cozar, <laughs> camera assistant, Angel Ordiales, editor, Jess Franco, as Joan Almoral, he's used that alias before. Production manager Antonio Mayans, of course. Makeup Alessandia de Villeneuve. Assistant director Lina Rome as Rosa Amaral. So that's uh, Joan's sister. So I like how Jose, uh, Jess Franco is, is Joan Amaral and Lina is Rosa Amaral. Uh, music, of course, Mr. Daniel White as once again billed as. Pancho Villa. That's funny. Uh, let's see. And also Jess Franco. Uh, music recording at Studios Eurosonic. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Dubbing director. Okay, uncredited first camera operator, Jess Franco. Yeah, whenever Lena's doing assistant directing, Jess usually does the camera because then he can knock his shots out quicker. As you can see how quick he had this turnaround. It's pretty amazing. All right, cast. Uh, Rosa Valenti plays Carla Feldman. Lina Rome. Uh, in the Spanish version, her character is called Bijou. In the, I guess, Great Britain, GB. Great Britain, her character is called Pussy. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Teodra Segura as Doris Regina plays Susie. Antonio Mayans, of course, as Robert Foster plays Al Crosby. Almost like an Al Pereira character, but this is Al Crosby. Uh, Albino Graziani plays Judge Charles Theodore Marcus. Mari Carmen Segura as Mary Stein plays Coco, Harry Feldman's mistress. Uh, Juan Solar Cozar as Juan Cozar plays taxi driver. And Miguel Angel Arusta plays Emilio. And Jesus Franco plays Harry Feldman. And the Spanish press book adds Eva Hoeda, O-J-E-D-A, as Felicia. It says, uh, Jess Franco edited the film himself, but chose not to be credited. Bizarrely, however, he gave the assistant editor credit to Joan Amaral, a name generally used by Franco as a pseudonym, which leads to the comic absurdity of crediting Jess as his own assistant. Instead, I have condensed the two credits down to a single notation for editor. The real Joan Almoral was Lena Romay's brother, but he was not involved in Franco's films in any way. Okay, we'll read the synopsis for the review portion. Uh, okay, and let's see here. We got production notes. For La Chica de la Braga's Transparentant Transparentes, also known as Pickup Girls, production money came from a new but short-lived Spanish source. 
Luz, L-U-Z, Luz International Films, a Madrid-based company formed in 1975, whose previous roster included Marcello Alperandi's Cinza Buccia, 1979, a disco-inflected coming-of-age romp featuring copious teen nudity and an appearance by zombie flesh-eater star Olga Carlatos. Precise shooting dates for La Chica de la Braga's Transparentantes are difficult to ascertain, but thanks to a glimpse of the December 80 edition of Penthouse, we can be sure that the film was shot no earlier than the end of November 80. That's interesting. Because here they have a um, shooting date of March 81, and here it says that... We can be sure the film was shot no earlier than the end of November 80, so it might be more or less December or January. So the shooting might not be as short. It turned around as quick as I thought it was, it looks like. Let's see. All right, review by Stephen Thrower. This is another one of those odd little pleasures tucked away in the less exposed region of the Franco filmography. Although it's rather too slowly paced and lacks any super sleaze or violence, it's well worth seeing for its unusual villainous and a plot which takes a poker face swerve into the bazaar with the revelation of a key character's motives. Give it a chance and you'll find there are some clever twists and turns to enjoy. The story follows Al Crosby a private detective working for a reclusive millionaire, Harry Feldman. Played by a suave-looking Antonio Mayans, Crosby is just as sleazy as Howard Vernon's Al Pereira in Franco's 1972 film Le Branales, the obvious model for this film. On a side note, that's like one of my top ten favorite Franco films, so I'm sure I'll like this one. But it's a bit more proactive than the helpless... I'm sorry, uh, he's just as sleazy as Alperaria, but a bit more proactive than the hapless Alperaria played by Franco himself in downtown 1975. More able to stay afloat amid the sharks he encounters. Harry wanted a private eye with no scruples and as smart as Humphrey Bogart, so of course I thought of you, says Coco the prostitute girlfriend of Crosby's latest client, Harry Feldman. Turns out Harry knew he was about to be shot and intended Crosby to take the bullet. Crosby survives the hit but finds himself embroiled in the affairs of Harry's wife, Carla, and her story is just as screwy as they come. Crosby is certainly no angel. One of the first things we see him do is drive a car woozily around the residential back streets of the Las Palmas after downing a bit of champagne. But it turns out that Coco's cynical jibe about the lack of principles was wide of the mark. I've got my own interpretation of scruples and conscience, he tells Carla Feldman. When she asks him to frame a man for murder, he snarls, I never hurt anyone in my life who wasn't a real bastard. The rest of the film hinges on Miss Feldman's flashbacks, explaining how the man she wants to frame, Judge Marcos, deserves to be included in the real bastard category. However, the moral lines, however, the moral lines remain blurred. Though we come to understand the full agony of Carla's situation, she remains perfectly willing to frame Susie and Bijou, 
two frivolous hookers caught in the crossfires of the plot. Our sympathies may be tweaked, but on a contingent, shifting basis. As the stories twist and turn, the characters remain murky and ambiguous. For instance, it's Franco's taste when it comes to private eyes that they take a beating from at least one, preferably several women, and Crosby is no exception. Keep him in the shithouse. He'll be at home there, Carla sneers, when he's captured by her female guards. But then again, what goes around comes around. After all, Crosby admits to once beating up an old flame, Felicia, to make her divulge information. What could possibly so un- be so important that he should need to beat up his ex-girlfriend? The answer twists the corkscrew again. She was up to her neck in illicit criminal activities and withholding information that could have prosecuted two rapists. With its shady morals, ethical dilemmas, and dubious motivations, the film is a whirl of ambiguity ambiguities. But when Carla Feldman describes her life so far, a catalog of misery, deceit, exploitation, and blackmail, it gives Crosby the chance to prove that he really does have a coherent set of standards, and his behavior, though immoral by most yardsticks, is consistent from thereon. Next page. All right. <clears throat> Ambivalence and complexity extend all the way to the finale, in which Crosby helps Carla to eliminate Archback Blackmailer Judge Marcos. All that remains to spoil her revenge is Marcos' precaution of recording an account of his suspicions to be sent to the police if he disappears. At last, you're thinking immoral to the story. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But not really. Marco is a genuine bastard. The information he's left must surely paint him as the innocent party, so it looks like as though a nefarious blackmailer will have the last laugh. Should we pity Carla? Just a little, perhaps. But then again, too bad, those who live by the sword. Uh, There's more, but it would be a shame to explain everything here. Suffice to say that the apparently frivolous Spanish title which translates as the girl in the transparent knickers, turns out to have significance, suggesting that even when everything can be seen, not everything can be known. The bland English title tells us nothing at all, but don't let that put you off. This is a work of some wit, and it can leave you quickly goggling at the poker-faced wackiness of Franco's storytelling. Along the way, you get plenty of fleeting amusements to add spice to the overall structure. When Crosby calls Bijou and Susie whores, Bijou retorts, We're practically virgins. Crosby only survives the attempted hit by running into the street at dawn and making a dash for a nearby park, nude except for his black socks. And when he poses as a plumber to gain entrance to the apartment where Susie and Bijou take their johns, he calls, There's a leak in your bidet. It's flooding the whole house. It's fine. All right, cast and crew. Uh, Rosa Valenti started out as a showgirl before entering the acting profession in theater and films. Her earliest films are mostly crime thrillers, including Ramon Barco's Todos Lagritos de Silencio, 1975, Fernando Marino's El Comisario G. en el Caso del Cabaret, 
1975, and Armando Diosrio's Las Salamanas, 1976. Her most noteworthy assignment is Jame Chavare's downbeat drama, To an Unknown God, 1977, the story of an elderly man coming to terms with his homosexuality, which the American critic Vincent Canopy hailed as a major work. Valente may have been feeling unusually sympathetic towards her character in Pickup Girls. She was divorced from her real-life husband in February 81, just a few weeks before the film started shooting. Good timing. All right. Franco on screen. Franco plays the corpse of Harry Feldman, found dead at Coco's apartment. Willing once again to join his actors in the shedding of their clothes, he plays the scene naked from the waist down. Look out for a glimpse of the cameraman reflected in a mirror at Coco's apartment. When Crosby goes to examine Feldman's body, a surprisingly rare occurrence given the haste of most. Look out for a glimpse of the cameraman reflected in a mirror when Crosby goes to examine Feldman's body, a surprisingly rare occurrence given the haste of most Franco shoots. Okay, so yeah, he's saying you would expect that to see more, but it's not. Music. The music cues are familiar pieces from the Daniel White archive. Previously heard in Two Female Spies with Flowered Panties, Sadomania, and uh, Abersone Sexuales de Una Morte Casada. Um, the title, theme, uh, Atalantide Story, can be found on the 1976 Daniel White Library Music LP, Mystery Blute. A piece heard during the poolside scene when Pussy and Susie catch the attention of Judge Marcos is an alternate take of Goodbye Glenn, a track on the Daniel J. White soundtrack mood music section number one. Locations Las Palmas Gran Canaria Pussy and Susie live in an apartment at the corner of the Pasai Pescadores de la Pontilla and Cali Prudencio Morale. Pussy meets with Emilio at the Hotel Santa Catalina, seen previously in Opala de Fuego. The various locations in Valencia make up the rest of the location work. The dialogue makes a half-hearted attempt to convince us that we're in California, but when Crosby hides out, Franco cuts to a roadside revealing the address as Calais de Naval. Juan Solar remarks, the scene in which Mayans runs naked in the street is very funny. It was something sudden, spontaneous, without any protection or permits, in a street where any old woman who passed by could have tripped over him or been scandalized, or not. And although I did not remember this at all, I see that I briefly appear as a taxi driver. I can imagine the moment, in the midst of shooting, Jesus realizes that he needs a taxi driver, looks around and says, Juan, get in the car, do this, and say this. UK theatrical release. As Pickup Girls, the film was submitted to the BBFC by Amanda Films on March 14, 1983. It received an 18 certificate with cuts totaling 3 minutes 45 seconds and went on release in a version running 91.34. A video release from Aladdis Home Video was submitted on June 25, 1987 with a running time of 88 minutes 7 seconds. It was cut by 2 minutes 44 seconds. All right, coming up on the end here, conclusions or connections. Pickup Girls is similar in some respects to Franco's 1972 film Ele Ebrenales, which featured Howard Vernon playing Franco's perennial private eye, Al Pereira. 
Coco's reference to Al Crosby being as smart as Humphrey Bogard dovetails with an earlier scene in which we see Crosby with his arm in a sling. Bogart was similarly handicapped in John Cromwell's 1947 film noir, Dead Reckoning. One Solar explains the film's background influences thus. The film references American film noir, which Jesus loved, as I also liked it a lot. Such a style and way of doing things flowed quite easily. We always had very little lighting, and the hotel rooms were usually too small for lights and tripods, so the contrasting Cherchigo of film noir was ideal for us. At times, it was enough just to reinforce the lamps a little on the side tables of the room to get interesting effects. Franco probably modeled the film's Spanish title on La Muchacha de las Bragas de Oro, The Girl in the Golden Panties, directed by Vicente Aranda and released in Spain in March 1980. Like Franco's film, La Muchacha de la Bragas de Oro features a character whose identity is not as it first appears. Unlike the Franco film, Arades is a blatantly political story about the lies of a flangelist supporter of General Franco and the rise of a more liberated generation. So, alright, so that's the write-up on this film, once again. So, I'm getting notes here. Alright, so, uh... It's be interesting to check this out. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it and review it myself, or if we will have a guest reviewer. Gonna kind of see where the schedule lies and uh, see if I have availability and if uh, other people have this film to review as well. So uh, let's see. If you want to get a hold of us, you can always find us on Facebook. We have uh, the Franco Observer podcast page. And on Instagram, we have the Franco Observer podcast page as well, where I update it a couple times a week at least, always putting up new pictures of Franco films and things I watch and updates about the episodes, and then also my own films and uh, life things that happen around me and transpire. So uh, if you ever want to reach us by email, you are always more than welcome to write us a letter, and I will reply. You could reach us at uh, email address of francoobserver at yahoo.com. That's one word, francoobserver at yahoo.com. Please download the episodes and please subscribe. Uh, if you subscribe, we'll always have a new episode for you every Wednesday morning, 1 a.m. West Coast time. It's always set on a schedule and a timer, so it's same day, same time, every week. So I like the uh, the uh, finality and uh, sameness of it. I like the repetition. It's always good. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? We told you to download. We told you to subscribe. We told you about the podcast. told you about Facebook. told you about Instagram. Oh, yeah. You can also, if you care to, we have a donation button on the uh Red uh, was a red circle page. Uh, you can always do a one-time donation or a reoccurring one. Either way, I would sincerely appreciate it. Uh, starving artist over here, working three part-time jobs along with being a filmmaker, podcaster, artist, and all that good stuff. So yeah, just trying to survive and be good and all that good stuff. So. 
Uh, I know times are tough, so I hope you all are doing good. Uh, let's see, of course. Um, uh, let's see what's going on with this. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, my mission statement, of course, praise and in memory of Jess Franco, bringing the names and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. And we are definitely doing this. Noticed uh, coming up here in a few months will be two years doing this podcast. And uh, just in the two years of doing this, I've noticed a um, another surge of Franco popularity. Um, not saying it's because of me at all, but, uh, it's good to kind of see that I have turned on a few people to Franco and, and my podcast I know is building appreciation to certain people. So, um, I'm happy to have just a small little sliver of that to, uh, keep his legend going because he was an amazing filmmaker and, uh, you know, um, he was in a great class, you know, there's people that are his equals, like say maybe Joe Sarno or Russ Meyer or Doris Wishman or those type of filmmakers, uh, Joe D'Amato or stuff. But Franco's just his numbers and his just dedication and steady. He was a he was a madman demon of filmmaking that just had so much to say and always pushed the best he can. So I it's just somebody that's deserves to be studied and praised and, and worshipped and, and talked about and everything. So dissected in a million ways because he, he was an amazing man and uh if I can just be a tenth of what he was, I would be a, a very happy person. So, on the filmmaking side as well. So, he definitely has influenced my work and uh, his dedication and insane and drive and everything is is um, definitely something that I try to look forward, look look up to and try to model as best I can in the small ways that I do. But, so, yeah, that's that. Um, but yeah, this looks like an interesting film. Uh, film 102, Pickup Girls, The Girl in the Transparent Panties. So, uh, yeah, hang out past the break, and uh, I will uh, talk to you about that and see what we have to say. So, alrighty, Buenas noches, maha. Hey, all right, welcome back to the Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, I'm joined by a old friend and uh, first-time special guest um, reviewer, uh, Mr. Jeff Grolbert. How are you doing today, Jeff? Doing good, thanks. Uh, let's bring the microphone up to you close so Hello. you hear your voice good. Okay, because uh, a lot of times with playback, you don't hear people, so. Um, all right, well, uh, Jeff's a good friend of mine. I've known Jeff for... Uh, Got 22 years now, about at something least, like that. Yeah. At least, uh, big time film fan. And uh, Jeff just put out a cool uh, fanzine called VCC. Uh, you want to talk about it real quick, Jeff? Uh, yeah, VCC is a um, uh, it's a comic story I got. That's a fictional story, but it's a, it's got some uh, articles in there. Um, just reminiscent of the analog era for the most part, and a lot of factoids and. Uh, kind of bringing back what you would experience I would think late night at a video store when me and Jason used to work together as clerks and just kind of talk your ear off about, you know, facts or whatnot on whatever you're looking for. Yeah, no, I uh, totally like uh, Jeff's style of this. Uh, I've always liked his drawings and he's drawn forever and it's, it's cool to mix of um, he uses a cool mix of like film clips that he's drawn over and then his own style uh, mixed in as well. Uh, the storytelling is really good, and there's like a main comic story that runs all the way through, and then there's different information about different films and different cool actors like Crispin Glover 
and the guy that's in uh, The Running Man and The Wanderers, uh, Erland Philip. Erland uh, Von Lith. Von Lith, yeah, yeah. He did four movies. He got um, Stir Crazy, Running Man, uh, The Wanderers. He was uh, Terror, I believe, and then uh, Alone in the Dark, which is kind of an unsung one where he's not bald in that one. Yeah, I, which I never knew he was oh, even yeah. in that movie. That's so Donald funny. Donald Pleasance, uh, Martin Landau. Yeah, I have, I've seen that, but I, I didn't Pellis. realize that oh, that was yeah. him. That's that's totally cool. No, it's it's good, and there's like a, a cool, a lot of trash in it that's you know visually stunning. Yeah, no, it's a it's a really good read. Uh, and if I didn't know Jeff, even just reading this, it's it's very interesting. Um, if you like uh, Gorgazette or if you like Psychotronic or that type of stuff, it's definitely right in that same alley. So wow, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, it's, it's definitely got that good good charm too. So. Um, are, are you going to have this on a site, or are you going to buy mail order? What's your plan to get um, this to people who might want to check it out? Uh, currently, I guess I would have a. I got an Instagram a VCC Zine. Um, cool. That would also be the Gmail for it. Um, I would send it out on that. Any updates on it um, would go in there, and uh, of course, uh, anything that's out in mail, I'll include like original artwork with it or whatnot, just for fun. Cool. So yeah. So check out VCC Zine on Instagram. I highly recommend it, and uh, yeah, definitely check it out. It's, it's some cool stuff. So good. So yeah, I wanted I wanted to knock that out before I forgot or got it out of the way. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. So as I pick up that Zine and put it down, we're gonna watch Pick Up Girls. So uh, Pick Up Girls, and also one girl with a pickup in a box. Actually, it's funny. Remember that whole uh, dick in a box. Oh yeah, that whole dick joke, the, the dick in the box, dick yeah. in the box. And I thought it was so stupid that Justin Timberlake. <laughs> well, this film had a dick in a box. Yeah, I didn't think yeah, about that until just now. Like an ice block or something, but that was nice. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that dick in a box. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a dick in a box. Dick in, in a box. Yeah, that's funny. Let me, let me do something real quick here. Uh, da, 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 da. But yeah, no, it's funny. I was thinking about that just now as I'm sitting there. One thing I like about this show is uh, as I go through and talk about things, I kind of. Uh, don't think about it when I watch it, but as I talk about it later, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's this, this, or this. You know, there's always funny jokes. So um, I'm going to – well, first of all, Jeff, just we're off. Okay, so we watched this uh, projected, and uh, this is off of uh, a, a DVD-R, uh, which I'm hoping and thinking that they're going to put this out, hopefully Mon Macabro or, or Vinegar Syndrome or somebody. But uh, this is off of a, a DVD-R off of a Spanish uh, satellite – broadcast i guess it was channel yeah and jeff was like wow I, this is really cool i i i'd really like to have this channel because you know <laughs> right to watch shit like this Late night know. when the kids are in bed exactly it's like <laughs> it's like the old skin of max days of the 80s yeah. You know? but yeah that no, was funny um so uh this movie's a little bit dark not just in the storyline but in the copy we watched it was a little bit hard to see certain sequences and stuff so i think a clear print would make this film even better in my opinion but just briefly off the top of your head, uh, what do you think about this movie? Um, <clears throat> Not everything, but just off the top of your head, did you like it? Oh, I liked it. it? Okay. Oh, I liked it a lot, yeah. Um, for the most part, especially on this collection that I see behind you on uh, Franco, I, I'm, a, I'm a first-time Franco for the most part. Oh, okay, well, awesome. Yeah, I mean, really cool. you know, I'm coming out of Sarno and whatnot. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Doris Wishman, but um, I haven't really dabbled too much in the post-Deep Throat era of yeah, yeah. pornography or X-rating, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, that being said, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it had a lot of uh, funny lines in it. The look oh, was God, great. Yeah. The colors and a lot of the interior was awesome. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know what was supposed to pass off as San Diego, but it was beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So uh, the running music too. I always that's always a seller for me. In no, that, see, in that's cool. X-rated movies because I wasn't sure what you, his you watched. I thought maybe you had seen the the two Fu Manchu films or maybe Ninety Nine Women or something. Ninety Nine Women, I think I may have okay, seen, but, but just not casual stuff. Of, yeah, not yeah, like not studying. Who gotcha, he was, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's cool because this is one of his. He mixes two genres here: his hard boiled detective, which I had told you a little bit about. He that same character. This is Al Crosby instead of Al Pereira, and Al Pereira was in um, uh, uh, Attack of the Robots, the poster behind you, and then he was in Downtown, and done by different actors, uh, um, uh, Eddie Constantine, uh, Howard Vernon, Jess Franco, uh, uh, another guy played him in another movie where he was Al Pereira, he just followed, up, followed him around, and you always see Al Pereira in the background, and he just had this little cabbie hat, he was like this kind of fat guy, he's like... <laughs> And he just get into places. You know, like how this fucking guy get in? He's just there, always in the background. It's one of the worst Al Pereira's, but it's funny. So this is Al Crosby. So it's the same kind of character where he's the. So yeah, so you have that detective story genre he does, and then he's also around this time he's doing a lot of sex trafficking stories. So he does the whole sex trafficking angle of this, where it's the house of prostitution, and it's this woman that's in charge of all these different businesses that she right. has, and, and it's all the sex stuff. What do you think was the purpose of changing his last name in this one? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know if it was just him trying to, you know, as, as he's done it quite a few times, I think maybe he just wants to try to, like, do a different variation, just like Alina putting on a wig and calling herself Candy Coster, even though, you know, it's right, Romay or whatever. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I think he's just ever, just doing a something different of it which is i don't know odd you could still do alperary and people probably wouldn't know what it was but i don't know maybe it was just a personal thing but so i'm going to kind of read the synopsis and then uh pause part way through and we'll kind of talk about what this is yeah so and this might kind of remember something so it starts off synopsis california first thing <laughs> which this does not place place in california because and, and we are from broadcasting from california so Beautiful, real into uh, yeah, real into California, <laughs> which is pretty river in Spanish, because <laughs> Rio is uh, yeah, and Linda's pretty and Rio is river. Uh, synopsis: California Private Eye Al Crosby is hired by a millionaire Harry Feldman to take his place at a meeting with Emilio, a gangster. Okay, so Emilio is the guy with the big hairy eyebrows that looks like John Cassavetes. That uh, there's a scene where he's getting a blowjob from Lena and he's like uh, uh, smoking a cigarette, yeah, just lounging, nice. which is pretty that funny. Um, <laughs> so at the rendezvous, Crosby, uh, Al Crosby is plied with drinks and drugs by two hookers, which is, uh, played by Lena Romay as, uh, her character is called Bijou in the Spanish version and the Great Britain, her, her name is Pussy. So Pussy is probably one of the greatest names for Lena Romay in any, uh, just Franco film. I think Pussy. Is it just, Pussy or Pussy? Well, it's P-U-S-S-Y, so <laughs> however you want to say. Tomato, tomato, you know. <laughs> but still, pussy. It's just, she's right. just pussy. What is Lira May? She's pussy. That's so, good. Yeah, she's That's pussy. The definition of so. Exactly. So you have her, and then the other gal is, uh, let's see which one that was. I forgot her character's name. But she's Susie. I think that was uh, Tidora Segura. I think is that was. Susie, or were you in Coco yet? Uh... No, the one that's always hanging out with Lena, the one with the dark hair that yeah. kind of looks like a Phoebe Cates. I'm trying to see what her name would be. It's not Carla Feldman, is it? Uh, or Bijou? It's not Bijou. It's uh, not Susie. Or uh, Coco. That was the other lady. 
uh, yeah, I think it's the second one, so it had to be Susie. Court of Feldman. Anyway, so, um, okay, so, uh, he's probably drinks and drugs by two hookers. There we go. Susie and Bijou, I should have just read it. So, yeah, Susie, uh, played by Teodora Segura, but she's billed as Doris Regina, and she plays Susie. So, yeah, Susie, who's very, uh, eye-catching, uh, first time I've seen her in a Franco film, along with Lena, and she definitely, uh, is a good opposite of Lena because Lena's Lena and this other girl is just like a cool contrast to her and, and she's nude in almost all the film except for the flashback at the end where she's wearing That's clothes. That's right, what, six years prior before yeah, the which clothes is funny. came off. Yeah, exactly. We're like, well, this is how we know it's different because they're actually dressed and they're not, they're not walking around with just naked everywhere, which is awesome. But uh, Okay, so um, so they, uh, they play with drinks and drugs by two hookers, Susie and Bijou. They invite him back for sex, then photograph him in a compromising position. Okay, I know where we're at now. Yeah, okay. So remember, they're leaning with the camera. Yeah. She's trading off the other girls, taking a picture. Yeah. And we were laughing because you said there's uh, 52 pictures in the thing, and this was oh, where the baby they're, is. They're making a deck of cards. Yeah, yeah, taking all pictures. those pictures. Yeah. So, um, so, <laughs> funny. so, as, uh, so they invite him back for sex and photograph him in compromising positions as he lies drugged and confused on the floor. He is almost killed by Harry's wife, Carla, who bursts in and pulls a gun on him. Uh, he's forced to flee naked and runs for his that's life right. through the streets. That was great. So that seems funny. So what I talked about earlier in the beginning, uh, so they filmed that without permits and that was a, almost a spontaneous thing with the actor, uh, um, Antonio Mayans, he had talked about. It, he goes, "Well, I should just run naked through here and do this real fast." Yeah, and it, was it didn't filming. look like it was even noon no, yet. No, <laughs> it, it was filled up permits. They just hurried up and shot real fast, hoping that somebody wouldn't call or, or yell or or whatever or or, or get in trouble with police. Or he whatever, had his you know. socks on, I think. Yeah, and he, he ran there. He ran naked back and forth. So <laughs> that was a great scene. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> He's almost killed by her. We burst in and pulls a gun on him. He's forced to flee naked and runs for his life through the streets. Crosby investigates Miss Feldman, but when he tries to turn the tables by blackmailing her, she has him beaten up by three female accomplices, forcing him to divulge right. Harry's I, whereabouts. I noticed when he went in there at their place and then he started bumming their cigarette butts out of the ashtray, became a running yeah. Uh, cheapness of this character i thought was kind of cool at the bar or anywhere he goes yeah you, you had caught that before me because you asked me you're like oh is he an ex-addict or was that or i was like no he's just he's just really low low down on this luck guy he's always finding butts in the thing trying to smoke him just to keep himself going or whatever you know uh and yeah and the three girls that beat him up are wearing suspenders and uh are in the bar with the tinfoil on the wall and i had caught that because i talked to jeff about the red room earlier in our conversations and that scene popped up with the tinfoil on the wall, and the girls uh, wearing the suspenders. So that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I can't remember if it was was it a whole troop of them or was that just, uh, just the that three gals around each other? Yeah, yeah, and they were wearing the uh, suspenders, and they beat the shit out of them. Like a uniform. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a cool, cheap sci-fi kind of look. Uh, a cool special effect. Just have naked topless girls with the suspenders on. Picking up in a tinfoil. Yeah, tinfoil bathroom. Yeah, just for no reason. <laughs> Uh, beaten up by three female accomplices, forcing him to divulge Harry's whereabouts, a house in San Diego where he's holed up with his mistress, Coco. Crosby tries to warn Harry, but when he arrives, he finds that Harry has been shot. Crosby enlists the help of Coco, Susie, and Bijou, intending to expose Carla as the murderess. He goes to a club run by Felicia, an old flame with underworld connections, and asks her for protection. Felicia surprises him by introducing him to Carla, who decides to take Crosby into her confidence. Her story of blackmail and betrayal 
persuades Crosby to entrap Judge Marcus, an unscrupulous figure who's been extorting money from Carlos by using an intimate secret as leverage. It's a lot of webs there. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of uh, people playing other people and uh, figuring out, you know, who's who's playing who. Um, I made a couple, few little notes on this. Uh, watching it didn't make as many notes as I usually did, but um, um, one thing I caught was... Um, this version we watched it was kind of hard to see, so the tan lines was something that actually oh, yeah. could see with people. That was a striking contrast. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, what was the detective's? He had that tan line, almost looked like he had a strap on. on. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, was, yeah. that, was, like that. was funny. <laughs> yeah, he was white. And then, of course, the other lady, and then uh, just, everybody just looked like they were like fried, you know. And the guy that was shot by the lamp, how he, he kind of resembled a Trump. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know the guy looked like Donald Trump lay there. <laughs> we're, that's why we're laughing. Yeah, and uh, of course, Antonio Wayans looks like George Harrison to me, so I always make that joke. Or Manos. Yeah, or Manos, or Jeff. <laughs> um, yeah, like he had talked about. Um, I'm not usually a fan of the dubbing. I always go for the uh, original language, and then I'll read the subtitles all the time. But the dubbing on this wasn't bad, and of course, it was the only version that was there. So, of course, that's the version that we watch. But uh, yeah, the dubbing was really good. Um, I liked the character voices kind of fit the people they weren't really i've seen some they're just so off you're just like it's just so like yeah you know and the voice yeah or just the high voice it just doesn't fit but these actually fit and uh and and like you were saying earlier the dialogue was really good it's i I was thinking it it wasn't distracting a lot of times dubbing can be distracting and then it just makes it cheesy or corny or something yeah yeah like with this it was very like cornball dialogue like with the uh a screwball kind of like quick wit dialogue but it was really funny because we were talking about this it's like it's got that 40s detective rap but oh, then yeah. but then they use like really foul vulgar language and <laughs> yeah, trying to be cunt thing. and this and that and that bitch and it was like whoa I don't think they say that in that movie you know <laughs> but uh, yeah I thought it was pretty funny um, what I, I I really liked the, the, the color of this film is blue um, a lot of the shots are early morning shots with that morning light and his white balance is more on the blue side compared to the orange side of uh, how he balanced it and uh, there's a lot of blue on the uh, bed bed sheets. There's blues in a lot of rooms. Blue blue curtains. Uh, a lot of oh, yeah. really great shots of all these blue. The pool. It always felt early morning. Yeah. No, the, the, the pool shot. Like swimming naked. The pool. The blues. The blue blue is like blue all of this whole movie, which is really cool. And so it sets a nice tone, a nice. Uh, and of course, the music you had mentioned it oh, yeah. sets the tone with that as well. You know, has that nice very relaxing kind of uh, film noir kind of done on a budget you know that's why watching this on Blu-ray or something would be really cool to see that yeah, detail and shit you know because yeah. I think this is a film that will be helped with because it has style and shit which is kind of hard to see so if you could see it you know it would definitely make it better um, I liked uh, the jewel thieves the couple had a they were kind of like actually no they weren't smuggling jewels I thought about it they were looking at looking at the well, picture was his, the the was wasn't it the the dick in a box though? Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's, that that's just, well, well, well it, it it was the pieces of those pictures, those four corners right. of the picture, <laughs> and, and right, I, yeah. I thought it was jewels that they were smuggling. But yeah, it was those pieces of the picture, which was funny. Um, and I like how the the final picture showed the penis, like whoa, yeah, you know, it was like, like the final thing, thing. Form of jewels, I suppose. It, yeah, exactly. Like a <laughs> yeah, that's totally a good call. Um, what else I like? I liked. Uh, what was it? Uh, Oh, yeah. So there's a scene where he goes in and he's, uh, Al Crosby's talking, going to the bar and he's asking for information. He meets one lady and they have these big gaudy drinks. It was like these 
big fucking oh, fruity drinks. Of, tiki bar. Yeah, drink. yeah, with Ooh, the fucking wow. three cherries and the th- two the oranges buffet. and the Poo-poo green. Platter and, yeah. <laughs> and a drink. It was so gaudy. There's just a whole these big fucking drinks. I was laughing. Pretty good. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah it looks very, one, really. Totally, actually. He said it was strong, though, so I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it fight knocked him out, too. But, uh, so yeah, I, and I liked um, Emilio and uh, Miss Felicia, the cat house owner. I liked it. It was funny. Um, it's funny to another one of these because he had in Linda, the lady that ran the cat house, and he had in uh, uh, Burning Up Inside, the cat house owner, and then uh, Saddlemania, the lady ran the whole prison. So yeah, he's been having this. He likes having the camp, and during this period of films, the over the top female in charge kind of campy running the island running the prison running the prostitution place all that stuff is so yeah this That's is cool, another though. character like that nice. yeah it's kind of the same Very cycle totally totally the uh, uh um uh, super vixens and also too with the transvestite theme of this uh he had just worked with Vegeta wilson uh on saddlemania and he's working with her in the next film or in two films from now Makumba uh, sexual and he had known that she was uh, a transvestite at the time, so he uses the transvestite theme again in this film. So it's interesting that he uses things that are in his life, and he incorporates them into his writing and just translates it into the story to further enrich the story and add little touches that's a, a different thing, you know. So yeah. it's it's kind of interesting. I liked uh, when, when uh, she was starting to tell that story of her when she was younger and, like, taking the bath and, like just lathering the soap and it had this whole kind of erotic thing to it while she was telling the story I thought that was really cool yeah and and it was a really good sequence it's almost like a sequence that like Christopher Walken or something would give it was like that big speech and then there was these two brothers and this and it was was very full of information and like you had to sit there and listen because it was that's why I was like okay we had to listen to the scene because a lot of you tell this is the scene where a lot of shit's going down like this isn't where the whole stories are discussed but this is the reason why the whole thing's moving. It's like, okay, this is this and this and this. You tell this whole story with the family, and then it's like, but actually, this person's me. Blah 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 blah. You know, but it's like, it's it's really. But she won't tell them until they get married first. Exactly, and it's and then you see the whole workings of why this person's the person they are and stuff. But yeah, but it's it's funny. And but Franco, if you watch it, knowing that, like I kind of knew that twist ahead of time, so. He was showing her crotch a few times, like pausing, and this little oh, camera tricks oh, that he was wait. showing before you knew right. that. So I was like, okay, I know what he's trying to do here. So it's it kind of funny. So do we, can we make a quick mention on the uh, the three sisters with with the guy and uh, doing the the mechanical bull ride? Oh yeah, go for it! I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. There's a big big sexy that Jeff. There was almost about. like a human centipede moment. Yeah, with uh, Antonio Mayans and yeah. Lena and, uh, yeah, like Coco and Susie were the was, two uh, gals yeah, and the other gal. Kind of going at it. They were just kind of displaying a 70s Zodiac poster. Yeah. Various symbols and uh, all at the same time. And then one of them just kind of gets up and saddles herself on top like a mechanical bull and just starts bouncing them. And then they're just closing in their faces. Now, see. That's a good pleasure. Uh, <laughs> Brigitte Leahy, Leahy does that in uh, Burning Up Inside to Susan Hemingway. And another guy that's supposed to be her boyfriend or brother. I forget who it is. But he's having sex with her and she's like sitting on top of the guy oh, kind of doing the same it. thing. So it's funny. But, <laughs> it was... but in this they go over the top and they do more of a comical thing where she, Lena's bouncing and then for some reason they pan down Lena's wearing cowboy boots and she doesn't show them <laughs> anywhere else in the movie but she's wearing them almost like she's a fucking riding a fucking Bronco rider, you know. So yeah, they almost and, there's, and that's the thing about this film. There's a lot of funny, even though it's a dark theme in theory to oh, think yeah. about what it's supposed to be about and stuff. It's very lighthearted and it's very 
funny in a juvenile way, but not in a dumb way. I think. I think the humor no. is more adult. I don't humor. feel like I'm laughing at the movie. No, no, exactly. It's more laugh. It's I'm enjoying laughing. it. Exactly. Though, yeah. Right. yeah. It's it's very adult with its humor, but it's very base and and kind of vulgar with certain things too. You know. Uh, but you know that was funny. Um, so I'm gonna go through some of the list because some of my notes were some of the stuff I saw on the list. So um, number one on the list, of course, is a Body of Water. We see a Body of Water in this film quite a few times. There's actually a nice shot where he's talking on the phone, and you see the reflection from the water in the mirror and or in the glass in front of him. Like there's like a glass, and he's looking out to the sea, and the cameras. Shooting the glass, yeah, and you can see the the waves on him and stuff. So you see that quite a bit. Very seventies, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with him too, Antonio Mayans. I mentioned to Jeff a few films at this time. He's using these shots where the person's transparent, or they're not themselves, or they're trying to, or they're losing part of themselves, or the the he's using the mirror, or he's using the the mirror as the soul, and using that glass more as, than just a a style shot he's actually using it to mean something so it's always really cool and with this definitely uses that quite a few times um sailboat and boats yeah it's cool there's um mentioned to jeff as i caught uh there's some sailboats that are kind of washed ashore and he's using that a few times when he doesn't show them out at sea they're usually just like parked at the sea where they've kind of crashed their ship ashore and now they're landbound they don't they kind of lost their dreams they're they're out making they're money and doing their stuff yeah the exactly kind of with Fantasy Island or what Pinocchio was saying where they just kind of gave themselves away and didn't follow their dreams. They just sold out, you know, type thing. So it's kind of interesting, which fits the theme of the film. Uh, number four, palm trees. Plenty of palm trees, even though it's supposed to be San Diego. Oh, yeah. That's oh. how he hid in the streets when he ran naked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And San Diego, I don't think you get away with that. San Diego. <laughs> this is supposed to be in California, you know, such beautiful California area. Yeah, I don't know, maybe though. You see, you know, I can see some naked people running around. Sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Maybe in Berkeley, but yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, number five, jungle sound effects. No, actually, there is a lot of good sound effects of the moaning. I was laughing because uh, I mentioned to Jeff that uh, there's a scene where you hear this like moaning and jazz music. Like, oh, this be like a nice mix to like playing your cars or driving around. Oh like, yeah, I was I was saying like when I'm taking the kids, picking them up from school. Yeah. That was school, kids. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it up. Yeah. Ah, I love it. It was, like, it was actually really cool. I was like, oh, that's a fucking cool well, I remember, too, with the, um, it reminded me of the, the Sarno movie. I believe it was like fluctuations or vibrations. Vibrations, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has a lot of um, kind of that blind voyeurism where you're 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 seeing it with your ears, you know, as she's hearing it next door. And then you hear the vibrator. Yeah. And you get the, the jazz rhythm with the slow. That's cool. I dig that. Yeah, that stuff's real cool. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, uh, Franco during this time he does that whole soundscape thing. Well, he'll do the like in other films he'll do the moans more with the drumming and hard stuff, and he tries to incorporate that. And like you're talking about Sarno, like I'd watched uh, uh, Veil of Blood or Devil's Playthings, or it's uh, I think a third title, but there's a lot of the um, uh, tribal stuff, and oh, the moaning yeah. in the in the in the rhythms of the of the whole yeah, ceremony stuff. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. So definitely, it's really good. Uh, okay, so it has sound effects, but definitely not jungle because it wasn't a jungle film. So uh, number six, uh, chained up person. Yeah, there's a a real sketchy scene that you don't see the whole scene, but it's supposed to be a uh, which jumps to number seven, dance scenes on stage stripping. It's supposed to be a two girl act with Lena and the, and her partner. And me and Jeff were watching it, and it was like it almost looked like blood, but it was glitter, and it was a cool it was way a glitter gore kind of. 
Yeah, it was nice, but it was kind of confusing for a moment. We weren't sure if it was happening backstage or if it was part of the stage act. Yeah, or if it was supposed to be, or they're putting on a show for somebody. Yeah, because they're putting a, on a show. As a glance, yeah, she's definitely. It looks like like just a rashed up gore, but then it's it's sparkles and it's glittery and it's yeah, it's beautiful and sexy, and then it's got it going on up. I think it was on her or her hip side, yeah, like and her then hip and like a part of her breast. It looked like it was almost like like she was burned or scarred. Yeah. So it was like Frank kind of saw those, that. that and, yeah, painful pleasure looks on her face and everything. But yeah, uh, and so she was chained up and she was like kind of act like she was torturing her because she had the whip and she was yeah, like, uh, it was, uh, I thought it was cool. It would be cool to see like something like that live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost <laughs> like a almost like a Forty Second Street show, but done you know kind of like a live sex show, but it's done as that. Type I like of thing. too, and on side note, when you were mentioning how this was how uh, Franco does a lot like um, wife husband and wife with this. Yeah, uh, in the same way like I was mentioning with like the Finlays and stuff. I think that's really cool. It's, yeah, yeah, no, Alita they kind of star and they're involved in the totally. whole process of it all. Yeah, yeah, because Franco when he first started, he had a he was married and his first wife was like a script supervisor and did this mm-hmm. and that stuff. And then, long story short, uh, he met the guy that was Lena's boyfriend, and he was a set photographer and worked with cool Franco films. And he brought Lena on set. It's like, oh, Lena was eighteen and. He brought Lena into the fold, and she started becoming the first film a little bit more. And then, but in each film, she got a little bigger part, bigger part. And then, as long story short, she divorced that guy, and then she got with Jess Franco, and then they were did rest their thing history. until the rest day they died. On yeah, there. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and they, they were together from maybe about late seventies all the way up till the day she died first, then he died second, and he was older, so you know, huh. so, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so that's that. Um, yeah, so we have chained a person definitely uh, dance scenes on stage stripping. Yeah, kind of that one little bit. It's really sketchy, but it's. I was telling Jeff, it was like he has a certain thing, but in this film he's shooting it faster. So instead of doing a fleshed out scene, it's more of a more of a sketch of a of a scene, and so it's a smaller stripped down thing, almost like a musical thing, like with jazz. We talk about it's like you just have a few little of the notes and not the whole fucking thing, you know. Yeah, they had some Jimmy Smith stuff going on there. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good music with this. That's good. Yeah, it's cool you picked that out. Um, So number uh, eight, club scenes, dancing at a bar. Yeah, definitely a few bars in this. Uh, Didn't really see dancing with couples, but definitely a a bar scene where things take place at a bar, information's passed, looking for people with this, it definitely fits. Number nine, jazz music. Uh, yes, definitely yeah, jazz yeah. music all the way through on this. A lot, of good, a lot of good soundtrack music from past Franco films. Uh, I caught uh, the end song from Oh, What a Honeymoon, and also from um, uh, two, female fly, two Female Spies with Flower Panties, which is funny because this is the girl in the invisible panties. Um, so, yeah, that and a few other tracks, uh, some from uh, the Eugenie, the second remake. So, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, number 10, uh, excessive zooms. Not crazy excessive. He was using the zooms more for locations outdoors, I think, to kind of show distance from, like, across the rivers and shit like that. Yeah, a lot but, of close-up cuts. Yeah. But there wasn't really too much zooming. wasn't zooming on people's yeah. faces. And zoom, I mean, he zoomed in on crotches a All few times. Like that tongue playing, like, slug having sex <laughs> at the very beginning was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's Lena's magic that tongue. Really good. That's got its own number. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see, uh, number, let's see, number 11, out of focus shots. No, I think it was actually pretty good. To, and there wasn't a lot of blurry stuff in this film. Uh, 12 mirror shots. Yeah, there's some really nice mirror shots in this. Uh, a lot of 
two on two, the side mirror shots, quite a few. I'd say there's about six or seven really good mirror shots. Oh, that in this one film. with uh, towards the end with the transvestite character and yeah, and had her breast in the foreground and then her one angle and one, and they had that mirror yeah going like you know a yeah, dozen yeah, down with every different. Oh yeah, angle yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, we see that that, that that stacked totally like that. Yeah, that uh, was kind of nice. Almost the um, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, Orson Welles, kind of the uh, lady from Shanghai type of oh, yeah. stacked mirror yeah. shot, you know, which he used, he uh, worked with Orson Welles, so he's a big Orson Welles guy. Um, okay, number uh, 13, mind control theme. Uh, not really in this one. There's nobody really hypnotized, I think. Um, this is more of an obsession. There's not really no mind control in this. Uh, number 14, uh, magic tongue scenes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Starts off magic Opening tongue. Opening scene. Yeah, starts off magic right away. I was oh, like, great. okay, and I can tell Jeff, First time Frank with you. Oh yeah, okay, this is a magic tongue scene. This is a good example. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah it, it reminds me too a lot of that. That and even when you were talking about him on the phone with the the uh, the transparent mirror with the water, it just reminded me of uh, Tanya's Island. Had a lot of oh yeah yeah totally a lot totally of like this. You can just daydream into it for a moment. Very much so. Yeah, a lot of his movies are very daydream and they have their own universe, their own setting, its Get own lost, world, yeah. and its own little trip. That's you know? mad. That's movie magic. Yeah, right yeah, there. no, most definitely. Uh, number four, uh, 15, red, red light. No, there's, there's no, no red lights in this. Um, it's a blue light movie. Yeah, it's all blue. So yeah, definitely. It's all blues all the way through. Uh, number 16, sheepskin rug or fur rug. Not in this film. Uh, masturbation with a C item. No, there's masturbation with a whip, but, uh, whip handle, <laughs> but no, uh, no, that. There, there was the, uh, humid centipede ass eating. That's true. There's that. And the, and the cowboy boots. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the sea item. Well, the guy smoked a cigarette while Lena bloom. Actually, there's quite a few scenes of Le- at the back of Lena's head and, and people's laps in this film, yeah. too. I was mentioning just that. Just kind of just doing a bob around. Like yeah, you just DJ. kept seeing like she was like... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty good spinning. Head button thighs. <laughs> uh, okay, 17, uh, Mad Scientist and Servant. No, 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 no diabolical things in this film. It's not really a horror film, so it doesn't fit on this one. Uh, 18, fish tank shots. No fish tank shots in this. Uh, 19, talking parrots or talking animals. Not in this one. That's true, right? Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number 20, end credits, yes or no? Yes, it says Finn. Uh, number 21, handwritten notes or handwritten signs or anything that's like really bad shoddiness. Not really in this film. There's some if films. It was, it wasn't really a focus. There's some scene. films where he'll have like a building and it'll say like enter and it's like cardboard, like written. Like, like a, a quick Yeah, fix. like tape with the wall there. and like dude come on that's not the fucking sign then, of the okay, building okay we get it alright yeah or open you're like, show let's go on exactly go. it's like <laughs> it's like little rascals and shit you know that's what we laugh about uh, so yeah are backwards exactly <laughs> yeah he means little hair clothes deal shit okay uh, 22 spiral staircase uh, I didn't catch any spiral staircase shots in this yeah I didn't see any yeah 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 uh, inept cops number 23 no there's really no we don't police see police at all no I he, heard sirens the guy gives a kind of a final notice on the thing the tape to give to the people which I don't know if it actually even yeah. gets to him so we don't know if, if that's like left that or not kind of like that at the end of Watchmen kind of thing yeah so you don't even the know evidence if is left right out. undecided yeah. Good, good call yeah yeah um so number four, uh, 24, belly chains. No, no belly chains, although the uh, the transvestite character has like this wrist chain that the camera shows quite a few times, the golden chain. Oh, that's which right, is, it does. Which yeah. is funny because that's like her chain, like her, like she's chained, like her kind of her. Chained to her cock in a box. Exactly. That's like her thing that she's in because he shows it quite a few times. So which it was so something. meaningful when her uh, husband looked at it. 
kissed her and then threw it out the window. Yeah, like it didn't it. matter. Yeah, and I don't know if she was like sad or happy. Yeah, or she kind of seemed like, sad. It ended up just yeah, like, what like, are you so upset about? Like, yeah. well, it was like all that work and it's his decision. He's like, oh fuck, I throw the yeah, ocean yeah. so the fucking sharks can and eat. And he it. knows, yeah, yeah, it's for the fish. <laughs> Sleeps the fishes tonight. It's <laughs> funny. It's a uh, Jimmy Hoffa. You know. <laughs> so uh, okay, twenty five kinks. Yeah, there's there's some stuff. There's uh, definitely there's uh, lots of S and M stuff. There's the part I caught with like her that the blonde person uh, is like the foot on the guy where she's kind of like on his neck and yeah. he doesn't say it. And then she twists a little more around. and then he gives it right away. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the naked a lot of naked girls in here. A lot of the submissive stuff getting beat up by women quite a bit in this for him. Um, Maybe, uh, what was that line that he said that was so funny about his? He had a picture after the, the closer at the beginning, and, and there was pictures of him, and he was giving it to her. And he said something like, Oh, uh, is that your cock? And yeah, pretty nice, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what he said, yeah, the delivery goes, though was yeah. great. She goes, Uh, oh, yeah, I didn't expect to see you in the pictures. He goes, Oh, yeah. I got a nice cock. Huh? She's <laughs> like, whoa. It's like, yeah, I was laughing. just so fucking cocksure oh, of himself. Awesome. Yeah. Also, too, I forgot to mention this film, like 30 seconds in, there's like nudity right off the bat. So, uh, okay. Uh, number, let's see where we're at here. Uh, 26, uh, great headboards. Not great headboards. There's some decent headboards in this, but nothing that, like, nothing crazy. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, just some, some decent ones. Uh, 27, okay, so... Always in a Franco film, it's always one or the other. So is this fear or desire? Hmm. Uh, I feel like it's more desire. There's a lot of... Yeah, but this fear of her secret, and it's the fear that keeps her, that makes her do everything. But the fear is, the fear makes her desire... Oh, let's think. Yeah, I think it's more, well... I mean, she has a desire to make money, and she's this and that. But I, think I mean, at the end, his, the the ones that helped her out, you know, he gave her the money, and he's like, "Oh, you're just what? What was he saying? Just keep fucking people." Oh like, yeah, yeah. He know, goes, like, "You could fuck until something." Something. Lena's like, "Okay," yeah. kind of smiling. <laughs> girls like, "Oh, whatever," you know. But yeah, I you could like fuck until you die. If it was a, it was an option between those two words with these characters. I feel like there's a lot more. Um, everyone drawn by their desires. That's than, true. Than I think fear. I think everybody else's desire, but the main lady or transvestite is fear. I think because she had that secret that she feared yeah, and she, she has watch to. Him. Yeah, Remember? and she was just that's true. Desire. Kind of that's true. And she was very. Yeah, that's true. I think she, I think it's more desire. Yeah, there's a little fear to it, of course, with her secret. Yeah, of, of for sure. Not wanting people to know about it, but but Not I would say window. yeah, but definitely more desire because of the business and of the the trade and all the sex and that's true. That's all desire. Didn't John and Bobbitt didn't he get his thing sewn back on Lorena Bobbitt yeah uh, oh, that's he, right. he, Lorena Bobbitt cut it off and uh, she drove away and she threw it out the window into yeah, a yeah. field and they recovered it and he found did, like, it they packed it on right. ice and uh, and he got it sewn back on and they did some charity stuff and this and that she got she went to jail or prison or it was for a little bit got out he ended up yeah I think he worked for Vivid actually yeah. uh, Steve Hirsch hired him to do it was like Frank and Penis or Frank and yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's right. And, I remember that. Or no, John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut. I mean, this is related it, because of the dick. But yeah, John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut. That's what it was. That's right. I, I just remember that. when we were working yeah. together. There's that, and then the. Um, As I'm talking to you, I'm like visualizing in my head seeing the box of him with the two girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny. But yeah, playing that. But yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, so that's 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 that. But yeah, that's funny, John Wayne Bobbitt. But in this, uh, yeah, but this was like it's funny too because this no is Gita Wilson. Fish are eating it exactly. 
tonight. So yeah, this is just fucking going off to Jaws. Well, actually, they should do the the. Uh, <laughs> Funny you got the Jaws shirt going on. Too. Oh yeah, good call. <laughs> they should have the. Right. the thing <laughs> that would have been nice. Franco and with the camera and smile. <laughs> yep. Do a nod. <laughs> Okay, uh, 20, 28. Um, acoustic guitar player. I didn't see any acoustic guitar player in this, mm. actually. Every fellow is always, or not every fellow, quite it's a weird. few. That and tropical sounds, uh, the talking birds, the aquariums, for as tropical as it felt, none of those things. Yeah, no, that's funny. It, yeah, there was still anything. kind of felt like it, so it almost. Yeah, that's you funny. I wonder what it makes a tropical movie. And finally, number 29, uh, reading a book scene. I didn't see. Uh, no book readers in this movie. No, there is. Oh, there's ass eaters. No, remember, the, was. Wasn't there a comic book in the beginning? Uh, was yes. That you One of the characters, it? there was a close-up of a panel. Yeah, I remember he was reading the comic in the beginning. That's, that's what I was saying. Right. I was like, this movie we were watching the same one. Yeah, the very, very yeah, beginning, there's like that, like that cool. Yeah, that's what caught my attention. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So there's a reading a book. The guy's reading a comic book in the very beginning of this. So, um, yeah, so that's the uh, Franco list of the recurring thing. So that's cool. So this is your first Franco film. And it's actually a good film to jump in on. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most, I mean, you know, yeah. I've, got, I've known you a while. I've seen, I'm sure it's been around Vampire my... Vampire Lesbos, yeah, or, but yeah. But, knowingly, yeah. But yeah, it's watching it and studying it and seeing something for what it is and, and uh, tearing it apart oh, and, yeah. and seeing how it takes and everything. I appreciate so. it to the whole... Just what I needed is another thing to collect. Exactly. So, thing. yeah, you look behind me and see a thousand <laughs> more. So. But actually, on Franco, there's quite a bit of stuff. Um there's the Kino Cult site, uh, the, the Kino Cult channel. If you're familiar with that, no. Okay, well, Kino, the K I N O, the company. Yeah. They do a on a, a streaming station called Kino Cult. Oh, nice. And they always have every month they change a little bit, but they leave a lot of the same stuff. They always have at least twelve to fifteen Franco films on there. Tubi's got at least four or five. Uh, and I know it's like Mondo so. Bizarro. I'm sure would carry something like that. Yeah, yeah, something a lot weird. of weird. I don't know. I could see something weird have maybe a few. Uh, e, no, not net. To that, something maybe. where it's kind of going out of business, or something where it's, you know they've merged with Agfa and they've do the Doris Wishman stuff. And uh, but no, I'm talking about like streaming wise. Yeah. You know? Oh, sure. Um, you said Tubi too, right? Yeah, something Tubi like, has a few and stuff. So, but yeah, but uh, but you know, definitely Franco. There's definitely so much to watch. So. Uh, but yeah, so now it's cool. This is this is a good film. I recommend it. Uh, I, I I do wish that they make a good copy of this, and hopefully in the next year or two that they will put out a Blu-ray of this. Somebody does something because it's it's got. A, oh yeah, one funny thing too. Um, I have some lobby. I had told custom, Jeff. Yeah, custom I, lobby. Cards so here. a little quick story about this. <laughs> I basically bought. Okay, so see this picture right here in the book. That's that picture right there. Yeah. The stars. But and the stars. So. Fun. So basically, I had bought a a set of lobby cards about uh, eight or ten for the uh, girl in the transparent panties, and I got them from a guy up in Canada, uh, Eastern Canada, I think by Montreal, and he had got them from a theater, and I think it was a, uh, a Indian, um, like a Pakistani or Indian guy that was owned the theater, and he had censored a lot of his own um, the of the of the. Um, of the uh, lobby cards and some he'd drawn like just black or he'd make a bra and draw like a like a like a garter belt or stockings and like everything a spaghetti strap or what would that be like a tube oh this yeah he, you know, almost like a thing. tube top and he just With blacked out the whole boobs and he's like and you don't see anything job too. but it's meanwhile like lena has on a see-through shirt and oh, you yeah. see her tit totally nice. But this is all just fucking... Yeah, she got cheated. You know what? That's actually that scene with the, her chained up, too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they're doing the whole fake torture thing. Yeah. So that's funny. I just end up watching it. Like, oh, that's the thing. I had my wall for the last year. I got some year. red Sharpie, too, you can add. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I'm good. But no, I'm laughing, so that's that. So, but yeah, I thought I mentioned that. So I have a, a set of. That's, uh, yeah, Because I'd asked yeah. the guy at the story about that, and he told me, yeah, the guy at a theater, and, and he censored all the shit and stuff. So. Well, of course, then it's just throwaway. Like, yeah, exactly. Like recycle it. You yeah, know? so it's I mean, just I garbage. Got so many old original Regency movie type lobby cards and posters and they oh, got nice. all their own like markings or you could tell the tape was there yeah well that i don't know. mind but any censoring to me that's is just pretty so cool, stupid though, yeah. yeah like stars is one thing or tape but it's a good thing you saved it because you might have ended up in the trash yeah you know, and 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 framed. i almost didn't buy it but i was like it's so rare to get a set of that movie sure. lobby cards like fuck, i'll just buy the ones that are all marked up to fuck just to have it you know so it's a start yeah, exactly. <laughs> one of the acorns that I built the Mighty Frank retreat with. So, <laughs> so definitely, definitely. So, all righty. Well, uh, thank you very much, Jeff, for coming on. And um, I uh, hope that you uh, uh, join us again for another episode coming up soon. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, thank awesome. you. Very it cool, was, very it cool. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, uh, do you do uh, any other website or any um, audio podcasts or anything you do no, with that? You this know, is actually go? my first uh, actual first podcast. I nice, nice. That, um, I got a buddy uh, from Mainframes who does one. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I might at some point do with him because I know I'm working on a movie with him now. Where well, go ahead and give him a shout out if you want. Yeah, uh, shit, I don't even have it on here though. But I know he's at Mameframes on Instagram. He posts his uh, his stuff on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I, I talked to him. He's he's, he's a cool dude. He came out to the um, Lady Hyde showing. So yeah, and I want to oh, yeah. definitely Super uh, cool movie guy. Jump on his jump on his show too soon. So very very cool. So alrighty, well I will see you on the other side. Buenas noches. Just-